Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Good morning. It's March for Miracles. How exciting is that, huh? Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Randy Hartz. I'm an associate minister on staff here at uh, Faith Family Church. For those of you that, that don't know me this morning, just excited to, to be able to bring the word this morning. Again, we're talking about March for Miracles. Today, we'll specifically talk about there's a miracle in your house. Uh, we'll lay a little bit of foundation and, and talk about, you know, briefly what we talked about last Sunday and, and Wednesday night. But before we get into the word of God, just a couple things. So first of all, uh, pastors have are, are sowing this into your life. So Wednesday night we gave these out. Uh, it's Charles Caps's book, God's Creative Power. It's so fantastic. You know, last week when we talked about there's a miracle in your mouth, a lot of it was out of this little booklet. You know, Charles Caps had a revelation that uh, you can have what you say, but people are saying what they have. So they, you know, instead of talking about your circumstances. You know, it's declaring what the Word of God and what, what the promises of God that, that He has for you, it's putting that in your mouth. And, and if you do that, you'll end up having what God says that you can have. Amen? So when you leave this morning, if you didn't get one Wednesday night, there's a few of these left over. One for fi- per family, please. But again, those will be a huge blessing in your life. And I know Thursday night, uh, the youth had a worship night. And I know it just went fantastic from the way it sounded. I'm telling you, you know, God is on the move. He's on the move because you're being intentional, you're getting plugged in, and you're doing. You know, you're not just sitting there, it's like Bruce said, I mean, you can believe in your heart, but you also got to confess with your mouth, and you also got to get your little feet moving as well, amen? There's all those things that you've got to put together. Uh, Final thing, you know, March for Miracles, up in the bookstore, there's a ton of books on miracles, they've got a special display. Uh, I tell you, again, whatever we're talking about here in service, you want to be intentional about learning as much stuff on that as you can. Obviously, studying maybe the, the miracles that Jesus did and whatnot, but that'll produce faith within you. So you don't want to say at the end of the month, you know, there's three types of people. There's people that, that make things happen, that watch things happen, and then stand around and say, what happened? And we don't want to be that third part, right? We want to make things happen, and, and you do that by doing the things that we're talking about here this morning. Um, I encouraged you last week to, to be in service every week, and, and I know today's challenging. You know, we got a, one hour less of sleep, but, but you're all here, amen? I don't know who invented this daylight savings time thing, but that needs to change in Jesus' name. The second thing is, is to be praying for other people's miracles, right? And uh, so it's not just about you receiving from God, but what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you, which is kind of along the lines of where I'm going to lead you in here this morning about there's a miracle in your house. And then the third thing is, if you have any miracles that have been going on in your life, let us know about it. Okay, we want to share that with people. You can text or you can email info at faithfamilychurch.com. You can go on the website, go down to the bottom. There's a contact us form. You can call the office. Again, however, you know, reach out to, to one of the, the leaders. However you want to get that information to us, we want to know what God is doing in your life. Even if you think it's trivial and small, you know, it, it's a big deal for God. Amen? And, and he gets praise, just like Bruce being up here and, and sharing his testimony. That gives God praise and, and honor, and that opens up the doors for, for more miracles in his life. So 
let's get into this. So a miracle is an extraordinary event or a, an unusual event that's taken as a sign of the supernatural power of God. And again, last Sunday we talked about there's a miracle in your mouth. And on Wednesday night we talked about five hindrances to receiving a miracle from, from God. I'm not going to go into those, but it was a lack of love, having no vision for your future, being double-minded, uh, unforgiveness, offense or strife, and finally unrepentant sin. If, if those things are operating in your life, those can, can be a hindrance between you and receiving a miracle from God. Now, last week I put up this target, and this is kind of a framework that, that I'm using to, to just talk about the various levels of life. You know, when, when we're aiming at something, if, if you're out there and you're learning how to, how to shoot, shoot a bow and arrow, the first time you go out, you're going to probably miss the target altogether. You know, and, and that first arrow, it says you don't care. And again, you wouldn't be here on Sunday morning, especially losing an hour of sleep, if you didn't care. So I know that you do care, which is an awesome thing. But the next level up, it's, it's that arrow of, of adequate. You know, it's mediocre. You know, this is a D average. Nobody wants to have a mediocre life, right? That third arrow, it's, it's good. That's kind of the average, or it's, it's not bad. And that's where a lot of people fall in at, in their faith, their family, their fitness, their finances, maybe their mental health. They just think good is, is just good enough. Well, it's not good enough. We want to we wanna level up. We want to get up to a higher level. We want to live a, mir- a miraculous, supernatural life. Amen? And then we have that fourth arrow, and this is, this is greatness. And I know even, you know, when I got out of prison, and, and just was struggling, living in our in-laws' basement, I'd always tell Melissa, I'd say, you know, I know God has put greatness in us. And that doesn't come from a, a position of arrogance. That comes from his word. You know, he sees us as champions in Christ, as overcomers, as more than conquerors. And I was like, that seed is in there, but it takes time for those seeds to produce, to, har- to, to germinate, and, 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 you know, to create a harvest in our, our lives. But he's put greatness in you as well. But you've got to believe it, and you've got to walk that out, and you've got, to, you've got to act like you've got that greatness within you. Then that next level up, that's excellence. A great level to shoot for in, in most areas of life is, is being excellent in life. And then the final arrow there is hitting the bullseye. That's world class. That area there is it's rare air, right? It's, it's on, a, on a high level. You know? and, and here's the thing with, with being world class in certain areas it can, it can be, take so much focus that sometimes other areas end up suffering. So what's the best area to shoot for is supernatural, right? We don't have an arrow up there for that because that, that's the, the arrow and that's the area of life where, where God lives and, and where he, he operates. It's beyond and above the natural. It's the realm where heaven and earth intermingle. It's where God connects with us. Amen? It's the supernatural and that's where he wants us as his children to operate as. Amen. And Jesus is the example because he lived a supernatural life. And we're going to study the life of Elijah here this morning. And Elijah also lived a supernatural life. So he's a great example also. Before we get into that, John chapter 14, 12, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works. Do you believe that? We're going to do greater works than what Jesus did because I'm going to the Father. We've talked about this. What did Jesus do? He taught, he preached, he healed people, he delivered people, he walked on water, he did many, many miracles. But the greatest miracle, again, is salvation, right? It's, it's multiplying what it is that Jesus did in the 12 disciples, and it's multiplied to, to literally millions of lives, probably billions over the, the 2,000 years, 
But again, it's, it's doing those greater works. That's, that's living in the supernatural. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 says this. I, Paul said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. We've got to understand the power that's working within us for us who believe. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You think about that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That same power operates in you and I. The same Holy Spirit that, w- that Jesus was, was led out you know, into the wilderness, that, that he, he only did what he saw his father do. His father told him what to do, and then the Holy Spirit was the power source, just like he's the power source for us to do miracles. Amen? I talked about on Wednesday night that, that we don't have to call Excel Energy on, on Sunday morning to, to turn the power on in here. Right? The power is always there, but, but we've got to flip the switch. We've got to turn that light switch on. And that light switch might be the believers laying hands on, on the sick. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We don't do a, a bunch of goofy other ways. We do what the Word of God tells us to do. Amen? And so when we're out in, in, in the marketplace and in our workplace and, and in our homes, we do it the way Jesus did and what, the way that the Word of God tells us to do. Because the power is always there for you guys. But we've got to activate that power. Amen? And Wednesday night, we flipped the switch where many of you, we prayed the prayer of agreement afterwards for many different things. Where two shall agree on earth is touching. Anything that we ask for will be done by our Father which is in heaven. You've got to believe it. And I should have wrapped it up Wednesday night and said this, you know, as you walk out of here, whether you felt anything or not does not matter because we walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes your situation is going to look like it actually gets worse because the enemy is going to turn up the heat. Because what does he want to do? He wants to immediately come and steal the word of God that was sown into your hearts. And how does he do that? By putting doubt, unbelief into you, by by making you question, well, you didn't really get anything. See, your situation hasn't changed at all. And get you to speak that out, like Bruce talked about. But we speak out what the word of God says. That Wednesday night, we, we prayed that prayer of agreement. And by faith, I'm believing that my situation is changing. Amen? And we walk that out. So you declare what you believe, and you take those contrary thoughts captive. That's how we live. The just shall live by faith. That's living by faith. Amen? So there's a miracle in your house. And the subtitle is, is you've already got everything you need for God to do what he wants to do through you. You've already got everything that you need for God to do through you. We're going to learn that here this morning. So we're going to look at the life of Elijah. If you turn in your Bibles to to 1 Kings chapter 16, it's right before 2 Kings, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 Kings. I know my Bible. I know my, my, my books of the Bible. So let's look at the life of Elijah. He just pops on the scene here in, in Luke chapter 16. But Elijah's name means Jehovah is my God. So what does that tell us? It tells us that his parents obviously had a relationship with God for them to name him Elijah. Okay, and prophets in the Old Testament, typically they would, would show up when there was some sort of spiritual issue amongst God's people that needed to be addressed. Okay, so when they, the prophets showed up, a lot of times people got nervous because typically there was a, a spiritual decline, much like that is going on in America if you, if you watch the news, and then the prophet shows up. 
to give him a, a, a word of caution and a, and a word of warning that, hey, if you continue in this direction, this is what's going to end up happening. So 1 Kings chapter 16. So why did God send Elijah to Israel in the first place? That's the first question we want to answer. 1 Kings 16 verse 30 says this, but Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel. Jezebel, I mean, she's straight up witch. She's wicked. There's even a demon spirit named after her, the, the Jezebel spirit that we talk about here in 2023. So, so King Ahab, who was the king of the Israelites, God's chosen people, married Jezebel. She was the daughter of King Ethbel of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First Ahab built a, a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. Listen to this. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Can you imagine being that guy? He did more to provoke God than any of the other kings before him. And so the prophet shows up. So Ahab, is, he, he's worshiping Baal. And whatever the king does, the direction he goes, so goes the people that are following him, the, the people that, that are underneath his domain. And, and obviously God is, is a loving father. He's a just king and, and you know, he doesn't want his people to be out doing that. And when we read Old Testament stories, there's a pattern over and over and over where, where the people would serve God and, and they would live a blessed, peaceful life. And then they would, would start you know, doing stuff like this and, and marrying people that are outside of, of the Israelites and, and they'd start worshiping their false gods and, and idolatry would come in and they'd, they'd, they'd get into captivity and then they'd cry out to God and the pattern, it was just over and over and over. And unfortunately, we haven't learned from past history many times. Amen? So not only did he worship Baal, but he also worshiped Baal's girlfriend, Asherah. So Baal and Asherah worked together, and they believed that they brought fertility to Israel. So they believed that Baal would control the rain. And obviously, if rain came down, that's when the crops were going to grow. That would move the economy forward and, and whatnot. But see, this was idolatry. And Asherah, she was the god of fertility, they believed. And so they would, they would have, you know unhealthy sexual things going on. They would, they would sacrifice babies to this God. I mean, just, just craziness, cutting themselves and all the things that are going on nowadays, there's nothing new under the sun. So, so these Israelites, God's chosen people, were worshiping Baal and they were worshiping Asherah. And again, it was idolatry. The word idol means an unauthorized person, place, or thing that you look to to meet the needs in your life. So we're looking to this person, place, or thing rather than looking to God to meet our needs. That's what idol worship is. So people around the world, even today, they, they worship things like the, the sun, the moon, the stars, reading their horoscope. You know, getting in the, the newspaper's not around much, but getting in the newspaper back when you could every day and then, and then looking at how your day was going to go based on your astrological sign. That's, that's idol worship. We don't do that. We have the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit. That's who leads us. Amen? We don't worship creation. We worship the, the creator. The creation was put here to serve us, not the other way around. And they worship them not just to worship them, but because they're hoping that the, the thing that they're worshiping, the, the person, place, or thing that they're worshiping is going to bring them something. 
which is insane. You know, back when they were worshiping a golden calf, thinking that that inanimate object that they created was actually going to bring them something. I mean, it's insane to think about, right? And so in 2023, we don't worship foolish things like that, especially in America. In America, we, we, we worship American idols, right? We worship people, popularity, power, position, and prestige. That's what we worship a lot of times, right? Because we look at those things to meet our need. And when you're looking at anything other than God to meet a need, that is an idol. It's idolatry. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments says, you will have no other gods before me. The second one says, not make any graven images. God doesn't want us to worship idols. Amen? He's our source. He's our provider. God is enough. Amen? More than enough. That's exactly right. So it doesn't have to be a cow or a, or, or a, or a tree, but it could be a celebrity, an, an athlete. Maybe it's your bank account. A lot of people worship their career or their business. A lot of pe- people worship their household or, or maybe it's a person in their household. But again, when you look at anything other than God, a, per- a person, place, or thing to meet your need, you have made that person an idol. So that is why Elijah showed up on the scene because King Ahab was worshiping these idols and the people were worshiping them as well. So now God brings the prophet in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, he says, Now Elijah, who is from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, here's what he said to him, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So Ahab comes to this king, who I'm sure was extremely prideful, right? And he says to him, he says, Ahab, God told me to tell you this. Heaven's going to close. Not just for a week, not for a month, but it's going to close for years. And there's going to be a drought. And what follows a drought? A famine. And it's going to be very hard on your people. And I'm just telling you, this is what's going to happen. There's no more warnings. There's no more anything. The drought is coming, followed by this family, famine, excuse me. So what's God saying here through the prophet Elijah? He's saying, hey, we're going to see who's your daddy, right? Is it Baal? Is it Asherah? Or am I your daddy? Is it God? We're going to find out here. Who's your God now? It's interesting because God attacks Israel right at their point of adultery, right at the point of what they're idolizing, that's where God attacks. They're worshiping Baal and Asherah, thinking that, that they're the ones that bring rain. And so God's going to attack that. He says, all right, if that's what you think, we're going to go ahead and cut that off, and then we'll see how you respond. So what's the application in 2023? Don't be surprised if God shuts down anything that you're worshiping or idolizing in any unauthorized way, any person, place, or thing that, that you're looking to to meet a need separate from God, because that's an idol. And God's going to remove that from your life. Because he's looking to protect you. And he's a, he is a jealous God. He's a good father. But he's not going to sit up here like, like Bruce had. It's not going to be, you know, God the Father and then, you know, success or career or business or, or spouse or anything. Nothing's going to get in the way of you and your relationship with God. He's going to remove that out of your life. Let's continue on with the story. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2. 
It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. So this was a specific place. He said, Drink from the brook and eat what the raven brings you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So God commanded the ravens to bring him food at this specific place. Now obviously, when there's a drought, it takes time before the famine you know, happens or whatever. I'm sure they have food stored up and, and whatnot. And, and, and I'm sure you know, Ahab and, and Jezebel are out. They're worshiping their gods. They're cutting themselves. They're, they're you know, doing all the things that, that they know to do to try to get their gods to bring rain. And there's a process of time in that, right? But you know what happens, right? Once, once that drought happens and then there's famine, who's Ahab going to be mad at and who's he going to blame for the famine? Elijah, right? So God removes Elijah from the situation. He told him to go by this Kareth Brook so he could both protect him and provide for him. And God's doing the same thing today. He protects us and he provides for us. God sent his word though. The Holy Spirit, right? Operating through the word of God to protect us and provide for us. And he also shows us things to come. You don't have to turn there, but, but look at this scripture. John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. How awesome is that? So we don't have to wait on a prophet. We don't, have to, we don't have to travel to go see a prophet. We have the word of God. Amen? We have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us. Nothing wrong with prophecy, but many times if you have a prophecy, it's going to confirm what God is already speaking to your heart. It's going to be confirmation. So be very careful with thus saith the Lord. Amen? Not saying it's awesome when God has a word for you. But again, it needs to line up with the word and what the Holy Spirit is is ministering to you. Because here's the deal. The main way God speaks to us is through his word, through the Bible. As you read the Bible, he'll reveal things to you. He'll uncover things for you. He'll show you your future, all that stuff. And then it's prayer as you're spending time with your father, praying in the spirit. He'll he'll show you things to come. Come into church on, on Sunday morning, listen to, to Pastor Mike and sharing the messages, being in, in, in prayer down at, at 845, all those things, those are all ways where God speaks to us. He also speaks to us through our spouse. And I've had many times in my life where, where I haven't listened to, to Melissa's voice, you know, I just said, hey, you know, or, or I'm not talking to her about it, you know, just thinking, hey, I've got this figured out, but, but God put you and your spouse together to be help meets, to work together. God Above all, he's, he, he wants me to succeed more than anybody else on the planet. And then my wife is number two. Amen. You remember that, right? She's not against me. We're on the same team, moving in the same direction. Yeah. But see, what happens is we both want to move in the same direction, but we, we fight about the way that we move in that direction a lot of times. Right. Amen? Amen? That was a bonus. It's not a marriage conference here this morning. <laughs> but love your spouse. So he put him by the, the brook, and, and in the natural, there's obviously provision there. That's normal because the brook is flowing. But what was not natural was the brook is going to be one of the first things that's going to dry up in a drought. Why didn't he put him by a, a big river? Now, it was by the mouth of the river, but it was a little bit interesting why God chose the, the brook by Kareth. 
But then he also commanded the ravens to bring, the Elijah, bring Elijah food. Now, now that's the supernatural provision. That's living in that supernatural. Remember that arrow that, that's not up on the target? That, that's supernatural. Ravens bringing food is an unusual or an extraordinary event. It's a miracle. Supernatural provision. It doesn't make sense. And here's the other thing is, if you look in Deuteronomy 14, ravens were actually one of the unclean animals. They certainly weren't supposed to eat them, and I'm certain they weren't supposed to touch anything that came from them as well. So Elijah would have, in essence, been disobeying the law by, by eating something dead, brought to him by something unclean. And what's the lesson in that? Don't get so over-spiritual that you miss out on the provision that God has for you, right? God can and will provide for, me, for you through means which may not make a lot of sense. But that's where faith and trust comes in and being led by the Holy Spirit because God will surprise us a lot of times at where the provision will come th through. Verse 5, let's continue on. It says, So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. So the first thing was, was Elijah was obedient. He did what God told him to do. That's the first step. Do what God tells you to do. Be obedient and take the next step. God told Elijah to, again, go to that specific place. This is where my provision, this is where the, the stream or, or the channel is going to be at for you. Now, I'm the provider, but I'm going to provide through you, to you through this stream, through the, through the ravens at this specific place. And I'm going to bring to you a, I'm going to bring you a sandwich. I'm going to bring you bread and meat in the morning. And I'm bringing you a, a sandwich in the evening, right? Jimmy John's or, or Subway or whatever it is. But that's what the ravens are going to bring morning and evening. It's the same way with us. God has a specific place for you. It's not some random job, some random career, some random business that you start. It's something specific that he wants you to be doing. And that's your stream. That's your, your income stream. Now, he's the provider. He's the source, but he's going to channel that through specific things. And the unfortunate thing is, is, you know, God's will, will is, is his word, but sometimes the specific things, he doesn't necessarily tell you who you're going to marry, where you're going to work, all of that, and that's where spending time with him, you know, in prayer, praying in the Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, he will show you things to come, and peace will be your guide. That's how you'll know that you know that you're in the right place or not. And there's obviously seasons. I've had seasons in my life where I've just simply needed a job. I've simply needed to get my feet moving and create income. And that's okay while you're waiting for the door to open up for God's specific place for your provision. Amen? I remember when, you all know my story, but, you know, 2001, so I get arrested for drug trafficking. I spent eight and a half months in jail. Uh, got born again down there in Florida, which was, was amazing. Melissa started coming to church here. She got born again here. When I got out, um, we, we, got, we ended up getting married just a couple weeks later, and I was working day labor jobs here in Sioux Falls, just, again, to keep, keep things rolling and, and getting some income coming in and whatnot. And I remember there was a, it's, it's Billy and Nissan now, but it was an independent auto dealership previous to, to Billy and buying that, that store over here on, on West 12th Street. And I remember driving by it, and, and I knew the guy you know, that owned the place. So I went in there, and I was, I was talking to him. And, and, and I thought, man, this is the place where God wants me to work. That's what I thought. I, I, we put our faith out there, and, and that's what I was believing for. 
And I'd go in there and, you know, I'd show him my interest and whatnot. And, and you know, the guy just was kind of like, yeah, neither here nor there or whatever. Well, then a, another job ended up uh, popping up over at Pam Oil. They were starting a, a detailing chemical line. And, and so I, you know, started that for them. And, and the, literally the day that I got the job, I get a call from this, this uh, guy that owned the automotive place. He says, hey, where are you? I'm, I'm ready to hire you. And I said, man, I'm sorry. You know, you're kind of dragging your feet. I guess I thought you weren't interested. So I took this other position and, and this is what I'm doing now. And he, he was all mad and whatnot. And, and, but here was the deal. You know, God has the right source for you, right? The right provi- provision for you, the right income stream. I remember driving to church on a, on a, on a Wednesday night, actually coming home. We got out of church, what, 8, 8.15? And there's that dealership still open, Right? People that are still at 9 o'clock at night, nothing wrong with that. But I was like, man, if I would have been working there, I'd have been working a, a ton of hours and, and not doing what I, I'm really enjoying what I was doing. And then when I was down in Omaha, three months into this position that I was working at, I was down there at Valvoline, had this, uh, like this seminar thing. And I remember sitting in the room and, and uh, Valvoline had introduced me and I, I literally just stood up and I, I waved like that. I, I mean, to say my name in a group, I just would freak out back then, right? I could not speak in front of people. So I just stood up and waved and they said, this is Randy, he's running the detailing chemical line, Eagle One from Sioux Falls. And I sat back down and, and then afterwards, a guy comes up that, that ran a, a bunch of car wash lube and, and detail shops down there and he flipped me his card and he said, hey, he goes, I saw you speak here tonight, which I didn't, but he goes, I'm always looking for quality guys. He goes, I'd love to have coffee with you tomorrow morning. I was like, sure, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to talk. And so I did. You know, and, and then he ended up hiring me. We ended up moving down there. And, and for that season of our life, I would not have met him had it not been for, you know, the, the one, the door being closed and the other door being open. And it doubled my salary. You know, we started back over. You know, I, looking back, was it, was it God's perfect plan? You know, I did end up going, you know, to prison as a, not a result of that, but the situation that was previously. But here's the deal. God knows, Right. We were with a young couple at a, at a church down there and just learned a lot, of, a lot of things from them as well. And it was just an interesting season in our lives. But again, the Holy Spirit, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows how to get you from this point to that point to the next point. And he's got a specific place for you. But you've got to listen to that voice. You've got to listen to what it is that he's telling you to do. Amen? Because he's got your provision. But here's the deal. God has got to be your only source. He is your provider. The channels can change, but the source always remains the same. It's not your job, not your employer. It's not the bank. It's not your business. It's certainly not the government. The government is not our source. That's communism. Government is God in communism. They want to remove all of God. And that's how you watch. If, if God is being removed from situations, it's because government wants to take over and government wants to become your source, wants to become your provider because then your source controls you. And we're not controlled by anybody but the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So Elijah's here drinking water in a drought, eating a couple sandwiches a day. He's in a bad situation, but he's actually doing very good. Verse 7, we pick up the story. It says, But after a while, the brook, brook dries up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So Elijah becomes part of the same circumstances and experiences the same thing as everybody else was experiencing, even though he's the prophet, right? There's a, there's a drought which creates a famine. The brook ends up drying up. 
And so now he's, he's kind of a, a victim or a casualty of this drought. And that's one of the hardest lessons in life is to realize that, that God a lot of times calls you to a place for a reason and for a season. Markets boom and bust. Things go in cycles. Not, most things don't last forever. And this is not to be negative. You know me. I'm champion mindset, overcomer, more than a conqueror. But again, it's, it's listening for, for God's voice. He will lead you into your provision and, and what it is that he has next as that brook is drying up. Amen? And many times, like, like that, that target up there that we looked at, we settle because good or, or even great is comfortable. And we, we want to feel safe. And change makes us feel unsafe. Moving to a better job or a, a different career or, or starting that business, man, that's unsafe. We don't, we don't know how it's all going to work out. Think about this. Had Elijah stayed at the brook, he would have missed his opportunity for miracles and the other miracles that God did in his life, as we'll look to the widow at Zarephath. So again, you staying comfortable and staying where you're at, a lot of times, other people are missing out on the miracle that God wants to work through you for you to get to them. Does that make sense? So you staying there isn't always the best thing. Another point, don't ever let anybody tell you that if your brook runs dry, that you're outside of the will of God. Even like those five hindrances on Wednesday night, you might sit there and go, you know what? I'm not battling with any of these things. And I'm walking a life of forgiveness. I've got peace with God. I've got peace in my family and all this. And, and I just don't know why what's happening is happening. Well, God might have you in a place like Elijah where he's got you set, a, set aside for a season where you're just growing in your relationship with him. I don't mean just growing. That's the best thing, growing in your relationship with him. And I'm telling you, one word from God can change everything. He can change everything in a moment. He's done it in our lives, and I know he's done it in many of your lives as well. So be present and be in the moment with where God has you at in the season of your life. Amen? And don't believe that, hey, serving the Lord absolves you completely from problems. This isn't a, a doom and gloom thing, but Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And we know how to overcome him, right? The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, walking in victory, walking in faith. Again, don't let anybody tell you if your brook dries up that you're outside of the will of God. Now, if you don't have peace about the situation and God is trying to move you, you need to be like Elijah and you need to obey and you need to get moving. But Elijah was directly in the center of God's will when that brook dried up. You think about that. So what do we do when, when, when the brook dries up, when our provision dries up, with everything we've known up to that point? I don't know how long he was here, whether it was a year or two or three years. It says over in Luke that, that the famine was three and a half years total, but I don't know what, what, you know, it doesn't say exactly how the time frame of each, but he was here for, a, for quite a while. Let's say it was half the time, a couple years. So what do you do when you're faithful in that situation, you're in the center of God's will, and, and then that brook dries up? I love two questions, and and, and think about these and write them down. The number one question you ask when God is trying to move you is, is God, what do you want me to know about this? What do you want me to learn? Right? A confident person is open. They're confident in God. They know what they have in, in Christ, who they are in Christ, but they're teachable. They're, they're willing to be led by the Spirit. An arrogant person 
already knows everything. They've got every answer, right? And the Bible even says knowledge puffs up. They've got every answer, so they already know. They think they've got God figured out. And the moment you think you got God figured out, boy, you're in for a surprise. Amen? Which is a good thing. So God, what do you want me to know? And then more importantly, what do you want me to do with what I now know? What action do you want me to take? It's like Bruce talked about. Not just believing, not just speaking, but taking action as well. Doing all of those things. What do you want me to know and then what do you want me to do? Because when God allows this brook to dry up in your life, it means that, that he's got a different plan for you. A different stream. Same provider, different plan. Verse 8, continuing on this, with the story, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed or, or commanded, remember he commanded the ravens, now I, he commanded a widow there to feed you. So here's the deal. He's, he's going to go to Zarephath, which is near Sidon, but Sidon is an interesting place. This is, this is like Baal Central. This would be like God sending us out to Las Vegas. This is like Sin City. That, that's what Sidon is, right? Or Zarephath is. They're idol worshiping. I mean, there, one, one commentary I read, it said that, that King Ahab had idols in like literally every field that was out there. I mean, extreme idolatry. And that's where God is sending Elijah to. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But up to this point, hasn't made sense. He, he commanded a raven to feed him, and now he's going to command a widow to feed him. And God has commanded in your life every channel that you need for God to meet those needs, amen? But again, it's up to, God, up to you to let, allow God to lead you to that channel. And sometimes, just like Elijah, God is going to test your faith. He's going to tell you to go to places that you maybe don't want to go and do some things that you maybe don't want to do as a test of faith. But that's where your miracle is a lot of times, amen? And are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to go there? So verse 10, as we continue on, and so it says, he went... He was obedient to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her and he said, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the, in the house and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. She said, I was gathering sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. This is confusing, isn't it? You know, didn't we, we just read that, that God had commanded this widow to provide and, and, and to meet his needs? This was the, the channel of provision. You know, now he's, he's asking this widow for food, and she doesn't have anything except for a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Verse 13, he, he even told her, he said, don't be afraid. So you got to imagine this widow, she's not even thinking about Elijah. She's scared on top of it because he can see it. It's like Bruce coming out of the, the, the room with a, a white face. That's how this widow looked. She's gathering sticks because she's going to make her very last meal. That was her focus. And then along comes the preacher and says, go and make me a meal. Don't be afraid. It doesn't make any sense. Has God ever told you or asked you to do something that doesn't make sense in your own life? I know he has in mine. And as we're talking out this story, I'm hoping that, that this is uncovering things in your life where you know, maybe you're at a season of your life that, that you need to move. You need to get up to a higher level. It doesn't just mean in your job or career, 
Again, your faith, in your relationships, in your personal health, in your finances, all those areas. Where do you need to level up? And this is to move us out of there because, again, God has a miracle. He, the energy, the power is always on. We've just got to flip that switch. Amen? Verse 13, it says, Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. What did he say? Me first and then you. This would be like going out to a, a homeless person that's holding a sign and going, hey, man, give me a few bucks. I need to go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Me first and then you. It wouldn't make any sense, but we're going to see here what, what God had in mind. He said, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now here's the promise. Here's the word of the Lord coming. There will always be flour and oil and olive oil left in your containers. So what you have? A little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. And now the word of the Lord comes and says, there will always be flour and always oil, olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. All this woman has is one final meal, but now she's got a promise from God. Amen? And that's all we've got. We've got a promise from God, but that's all you need. Said it earlier. One word from God changes everything. Amen? There's a miracle in your house. She had everything she needed, but God wanted to see here. What, what, what was he trying to do here? Was he, was he trying to get the preacher's needs met? You know, that was all about the preacher. Was that, that what he was trying to do? No. Elijah was challenging her to get into faith, to put God first, to trust him. That was what he was challenging her to do. He was saying, hey, you go home, you take the little that you have, you, you give me a cake first, and then as a result of that, you're going to benefit. You're going to have enough oil and enough flour until this, this famine dries up or, or is over with and, and the rain ends up coming. So let's see what the widow actually does. Verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Praise God. What Elijah had spoken to her was the word of the Lord. And what happened? The word of the Lord came to pass. You take the little that you've got and you sow it into Elijah's life, and that will start igniting seed time and harvest. You provide his need, God will provide her need. Amen? That's what, what, what Elijah was saying here. Not, not this greedy preacher coming up and going, no, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm more hungry than you. I'm more important than you. Make this for me. That wasn't it at all. Amen? Amen. And here's the secret to your healing, to your miracle, to your provision, or or anything else that you need from God. You be a provider for someone who needs it, who needs what you want, and God will provide what it is that you need or what it is that you want. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, Elijah asked her, provide for, for my need first, knowing that that would get her into faith and believing the promise of God, that if you provide for my need, that then God would, would multiply the seed that you've sown into my life, and then there'd be a harvest that's not going to run out, 
until this drought is over. And I know a lot of times when we, we think about this, we ultimately, we, we go right towards money. Like, oh, and we're not receiving a, an extra offering here this morning. But it does apply to, to finances, but it applies to, to any other area, your relationships, encouragement, loneliness, all these other things. You, you ignite this principle. There is a miracle in your house. You already have everything you need for God to do what it is that he needs to do in your life. You know, you might see, God, I'm sad. I, I need somebody to encourage me. And God's telling you, you know what? You go out and you encourage somebody else. And then when you go out and encourage somebody else, you ignite this principle and I'll bring somebody into your life to encourage you. And that's how the whole things work. It, it just goes round and round. It's about God working through you to benefit somebody else. Amen? So he can come back to you and give you the miracle that you've been looking for. It's like this, this supernatural circle of provision. Amen. We're going to wrap up here in a, a, a moment or two. But again, we want to ignite this law here. It is talking seed time and harvest. Given it shall be given. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. Amen? Amen. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. God does have a miracle for you in your house. But God, first of all, has to get us to move in faith. Not just talk faith, but move in faith. Then that's when heaven and earth opens up, and I'm telling you, God will blow your mind. If we take our focus off of our needs, us four and no more, no, and, and become a blessing to others. When you show up for church on Sunday morning, do you come with the attitude of, man, I better get fed this morning, or else... You know, it's just all about, no, it's all about coming and showing up and showing love and compassion for one another. You know, as we've got Resurrection Sunday coming up in, in four weeks, you know, many of you here this morning are, are born again, and, and, and Resurrection Sunday is about bringing new people in, and, you know, it should be the attitude of when you come that morning looking for a person that you can smile, give a handshake, borderline tackle them, you know, don't be totally crazy, but again, just show them that they're loved, they're accepted, Show them that, that faith family church, that the church, the body of Christ is different. That, that where they walk out of here and they go, man, I don't know exactly what I experienced. They experienced love. And if we give them love, love will come back into our life as well. You want joy, you want peace, you want friends. You sow those things into other people's lives. Amen? And God will bring them back into your life. There is a miracle in your house. And the little bit of flour and the little bit of oil that, that you think is, is not enough, if you sow that out, I'm telling you, God will multiply that because he's the, the God of multiplication. He takes the mustard seed. At that time, the mustard seed was the smallest seed that there was. Now, nowadays, we know there's, there's protons, neutrons, electrons, you know, a quark or whatever it is. There's a lot smaller particle. But the Bible would probably say that, hey, if you take a, a quark or, a, or, or an atom, if you have atom-sized faith, God will multiply that faith. Amen? But you got to sow that faith. you got to sow that seed. Amen. So what do we give? We give that which we have. And where do we find it? Somewhere in our house. Somewhere in our life. If you have a need this morning, look for a seed that you can sow. Again, you need healing. Go pray for as many people for healing. You ignite by lay, the believers will lay hands on the sick. I was talking to pastors about this. I said, you know, it's, 
the ministering at the end and, and laying hands on people, almost like, you know, it's almost like you're trying to, to will something to happen or whatever. And Pastor said, no, our job is to do what, the word, what God told us to do. God's responsibility is to, do, you know, make the word good, right? We pray, he does the work. But we've got to pray. We've got to, we've got to ignite the faith so we can get God to move into action. Amen? I'm going to pray for people here in a moment, but before we do that, if there's anybody here this morning that, that you don't have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, that, you know, you, you say in your life that, uh, you know, this, this God that you're talking about that wants to do miracles in my life, I don't even, I don't even know him. I read this scripture a while ago, Romans chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, it says, and since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. How exciting is that? We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And so if you don't know the Lord here this morning, you go, well, all these different religions. You know, I, I passed 20 churches coming here this morning. Here's the difference between Christianity and all other religions on the planet. We serve a living God. The greatest miracle that ever was, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there were other people in the Bible that were raised from the dead. Lazarus, Jairus' son, if we would continue on with this story. The widow of Zarephath's son dies, and Elijah, you know, God raises him from the dead through Elijah. But they all had to die again. But we serve a God who's still living, like Bruce talked about. God the Father and God the Son. God raised Jesus from the dead and he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's the bridge between you and a relationship with God the Father. All the Father wants to do is have a relationship with you. That's all he wants. He's not coming and asking you for anything. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come, quit this and quit that. No, you come as you are. You come as you are and God will work on you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.